Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009, featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Call our guest line at any time during the live show at area code 646-727-3235 and let's talk about wine. Again, the phone number to call is 646-727-3235. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. Another great group out there. Another good bus people. Thank you, thank you. I don't mind them sure. cheering and all that, but the whistling is like right in my ears, and it's just it's too loud. People, calm down. I know. Okay, just I, I, lower the whistling I, I, down. That's enough. Yeah. Whoever's doing that, please. You know. Yes. It's it's that same person. They only sit in the front. Yeah. <laughs> no. Appreciate the enthusiasm, but you know it does. It's a little yeah. piercing. Oh, it's wonderful. Yeah, it's a, the whistling is way too loud. You need to sit in the back row. Um, we Please. are we are live. It is Thursday, April the twelfth, and um, two thousand eighteen, seven oh one p.m. roughly, give or take. And uh, we're live, Ron, as always. And um, here we are. Hi. We have a few topics uh, to. Oh, it is the twelfth. So I wonder what day. What is today? Is it is this National Grilled Cheese Day or is it was that? Uh, it is. It is. <gasps> National Grilled Cheese Day. You know, it's funny. I mentioned that last week to everybody, this grass, mm-hmm. and I'm seeing on news programs, they're talking mm-hmm. about it being National Grilled Cheese Day. Yep. That's right. And, oops, wrong one. I just pulled up something here. Grabbed the wrong one. There we go. National Grilled Cheese. This is from Wikipedia. Wikipedia says a grilled cheese or grilled cheese sandwich is a basic sandwich generally made with one or more varieties of cheese on any sort of grilled or toasted bread, such as flatbread or wheat bread, that may include spreads such as butter or mayonnaise. So there you go. That's your basic grilled cheese. I like grilled cheese. I make them all the time. I you will have a grilled cheese and and uh, tomato soup night and. I always take butter, smear butter on it, plop it on the grill, throw the cheese on it, put the top on it. Engineer was watching one of these food programs, and they said, use mayonnaise. It's better. I've never tried this. I did. Don't. The, instead of butter? Instead of butter? Instead of butter. You grill the mayonnaise? Really? Don't. I never. Don't. Don't. Okay, good. Okay. <laughs> Don't. I. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I substituted mayonnaise. For the butter, yeah, you know, and thinking, okay, well, they're saying it's better for you and it's supposed to be good, and all these, all these uh, foodie channels the and experts. stuff. The expert. So mm-hmm. I got out, and I, you know, we we didn't use the the light mayo. We used actual mayo mayo, you know the, and uh, it was the good stuff. I don't know Hellman's or, or whatever Kraft. Mm-hmm. Put the mayonnaise on it. 
do it on the grill, threw the cheese on it, put the mayonnaise on the other one, flipped them over, and they browned okay. But the taste, I mean, it wasn't, it was like drinking soy milk instead of Ooh. cow milk. Oh, wow. You know, I There's mean, it was, it was a grilled cheese, but it was different, you know, a lot different. Huh. So I wasn't impressed. The only time we did it was that one time and never again. So, hmm. interesting. Yeah, I, I wow. wasn't happy. wasn't happy with it at all. Okay. And I, I looked up grilled cheese since everybody's talking about it. I looked up grilled cheese to uh, uh, see, you know, just what 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 I can sell in the program. And uh, they were talking. One one article I saw talked about grilled cheese. Oh, jeez, I just lost it. Uh, one article I saw talked about grilled cheese, and and every state in the nation, every state has their own style of grilled cheese. And I'm going, nah. Um, but yeah, it was like all sorts of different ways to make grilled cheese, and. I don't know. I think if you start going too crazy on it, you're going to start getting all sorts of stuff that's not going to be as good. Just your basic grilled cheese. Take yourself piece, uh, two pieces of bread. Put butter on one side of it. Throw that butter side on the grill or the pan or whatever you're doing. Lay your cheese on that. Put butter on another piece of bread. Put the unbuttered side next to the cheese. Let it brown for a while. Flip it over. Let it brown for a while. And that's it. You're That's done. That's right. Yeah. You know, fast, easy, simple. But boy, some of these things that people are putting jalapenos in it. Every once in a while, I get, I get adventurous, and I'll take deli ham. You know, the thin sliced deli ham. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll put a piece of that on it. Well, yeah, that grilling. makes sense. That's like and a that's uh, like a like a grilled ham and cheese sandwich. That's that's not a exactly. unusual. But you start throwing and, other ingredients in there. Yeah. I mean, jalapenos and, and, and bacon and, and tomatoes and, you know, I mean, you know. Different. No, that's not grilled cheese. I mean, if you want that, make yourself nachos. You know, so, so today is National Grilled Cheese Sandwich Day. It's also National Licorice Day. And... Mm. And the whole week's National Egg Salad Week. So, you know, it's just a lot of stuff working on, on this for sandwiches. Uh, grilled cheese, your basic grilled cheese sandwich. I would suggest maybe a rosé. That would work. A uh, Gewürztraminer would be fun with uh, grilled cheese. A light red wine, very light. Depends on your cheese. If you have yourself a, a, a spicy cheese, then... Go with some uh, a light red a Beaujolais, a light Beaujolais. Um, but you know, it's uh, grilled cheese really opens itself up for all sorts of possibilities there. So, grilled cheese sandwich. So after the program, after you listen tonight, go out and make yourself your grilled cheese sandwich. Tomorrow, National Peach Cobbler Day. I think of a wine. Maybe a rosé. I don't know. Saturday, National Pecan Day. 
A pecan. A pecan. Sunday, National Glazed Ham Day. And uh, Monday, <laughs> Monday is uh, just all sorts of good stuff. Oh, Sunday, too, while we're at it, is National Tea Day, which I wasn't going to bring that up, but hey, it's for you tea lovers. Monday, National Eggs Benedict Day. I haven't had Eggs Benedict in ages and ages, and it's good, too. I enjoy it. And Monday's Day of the Mushroom. Monday is also National Baked Ham with Pineapple Day. So Sunday you have a National Glazed Ham Day, and then Monday you add pineapple to it. Tuesday is actually it's tax day. The, the 17th is tax day since the 15th falls on a Sunday. So Tuesday you got to get your taxes in, so do that or get your extension or whatever. You can do all that online now. Tuesday is also National Cheese Ball Day. And it's World Melbeck Day. So there you go. Tuesday, 17th Tax Day and World Melbeck Day. So go grab yourself some Melbeck for Tuesday. Maybe a couple bottles since it is tax day. 18th Wednesday, National Animal Crackers Day. And you can have those all sorts of ways. Then coming up next Thursday is, uh, oh, doesn't have anything listed here. Uh, soy food. Enjoy some soy food and so enjoy some grilled cheese. So, yeah. But there you go for the coming week. Uh, Sunday. Ham. Tuesday. World Melbeck Day. So and enjoy your your pairings throughout the week. And let's see, real estate. We haven't done real estate in a while. Let's do and let's get caught up on real estate here. I don't don't have a lot, but I've got a few here for us. Let's see. Let's get rid of that. Let's put that out of the way. And here we are. Okay, real estate. Uh, RRV Green Valley Land Lease. RRV. I'm not sure what that is. Approximately 20 acres to lease for a vineyard. So this is a cleared acreage here. Currently with some older apple trees, mostly clear and flat. Corner of Maddox and Green Valley Road. This is in Napa. Go up the Sahara foothills. Vineyards is Sarah Foothill Vineyards and Winery. Two 60-acre parcels. One parcel includes plus or minus 20 acres of premium varietals. It doesn't say what. Plus a stunning home site. $495,000. Wow. it's a decent price. 60 acres for $495,000. That is a decent price. Not even half no. Parcel. Two includes plus or minus 34.3 acres of premium bridles, bonded 2,000 square foot winery, and a home site. So you've got the winery already built on this one. The other one, no, no winery. This is going for 555000 Or you can get them both. 
you make an offer so you can get them both for right at a million. You probably come in at a little lower than a million and they'll probably go for it. So there you go, Sierra Foothills. Sonoma Valley, Sonoma Winery for the Lease, a medium sized, high quality South Sonoma County winery for lease. All inclusive, turnkey, jacketed stainless steel tanks in a range of sizes, pumps, hoses, barrel storage, permit, wastewater system, glycol chilling, crush press equipment. So everything you need. I mean, they, they found all of it. You leave, you move in, you... It doesn't say the type of grapes, though. Exactly, you know, all-inclusive turnkey. So, no grapes mentioned. Here's one in Combsville, AVA, American... Uh, American Viticulture Area in Colonville, which is Napa, located at 1084 Lalonde Lane. Lalonde? Lalonde Lane. It's Colonville AVA, 10-acre gated parcel with an 8-acre high-quality hillside cabernet vineyard, previously designated to Joseph Phelps flagship insignia label and Robert Craig's flagship affinity label. They're pulling in about 4.6 tons an acre on that vineyard, plus an approximate 3,173-square-foot, four-bedroom, three-and-a-half-bath, single-story resident and guest house on a knoll with panoramic vineyard view. Listing price, $5,643,000. And I'm sure if you're going with cash, they'll lower the price for you. Camino Tasting Room and Winery and Vines. Camino Tasting Room plus Winery and Vines. And that's what it says. The headline tells what the, what's there. Uh, Camino, I think that's Foothills. Camino Real, I believe, is in the Foothill area. Southern Oregon. If you want to get out of California, we've got a Southern Oregon site here. Lease, 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 6,000 square foot of winery, tasting room, and climate-controlled storage. Turnkey winery up to 10,000 cases, fully permitted and ready for 2018. Can sell established brand or house label. On-site housing includes $72,000, or on-site housing included. $72,000 $72,000 a year for the lease, three-year minimum. And the lease, the net, you can triple the net in the operations there, they say. Back down to California in the Sierra Foothill Winery again. Profitable award-winning brand, tasting room, and inventory in Murphy's. Opportunity to lease 2,000 case winery facility. Negotiable cost, no direct inquiries to taste room, please call the realtor. Vineyard site with granitic granitic soil. Granitic. I like that, granitic. I have 20 acres of southwest facing slopes on granitic soil in Myrtle Creek, Oregon. There's also a mix of sandstone and limestone. I have 39 acres of water rights with morning and afternoon breezes. I formerly managed the Fayetteville Wine Cellars Estate Vineyards and would be happy to discuss the particulars. 
organic dry farming with a long-term lease, Gamay, Chenin Blanc, and Riesling, plus others. So, there's our real estate for this time. If you're interested in any of those, as always, email me at um, allaboutwine101 at gmail.com or, well, I shouldn't say or at work, but or Facebook, All About Wine, and uh, I'll be happy to get you the information. So, and we're going to be talking about harvest and cost and some grapes pretty soon here, so you can see what you're looking at and some of that stuff. Let me make a note on this, as always, so I will know that I have read this. 12, 18. I dated something 11 today, and I just realized that. Um, okay, so let's put this away. And, oh, there we go. There is, it didn't give it to me. Why did that not give it to me? Huh. Let's do this and this and okay uh, there's uh, a sign out there wine express wine express is relaunched it's uh, a brand new online shopping experience uh, shopping is not easier and faster than ever before. Fresh look takes care of everything. I think I might have mentioned this a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure, but Wine Express. It's um, a new site, 30-year heritage, uh, larger font, bigger images layout. If you want to purchase or order wines, there's all sorts of information on here. Free shipping over $150 order. Uh, they got wines from all over. There's, it's, it's a good site. I've, I've checked it out. It's uh, a lot of information in there. A lot of wines available for purchase, and um, it's just a lot of things that uh, you can look at and get some information on. If you're looking at buying a wine, or if you're not sure what you want, or something like that, it breaks down all sorts of stuff, all sorts of directions, all sorts of ways. So um, check it out, WineExpress.com. That's uh, uh, W-I-N-E-E-X-P-R-E-S-S, WineExpress.com. All right. Great pricing. I mentioned this earlier, but I was going to talk about this. Um, Great pricing. Where is it? Okay, here we go. Um, average grape pricing by U.S. Uh, AVA 2017 and 2018 harvest. This is from a site I... Grape Connect is the name of the site. G-R-A-P-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T. Grape Connect. I, I signed up for it. Uh, to get emails in uh, two or three weeks ago, I guess it's been now, oh, probably over a month. It has been over a month because this is from February the 21st, so it's been almost two months. It, this is um, chart representing 
15 of the most representative riders in respect to the online uh, listing count. And it uh, breaks it down. It's, it's pretty interesting. Average online advertised rate pricing by ABA in 2017 and 2018. And it shows the harvest amount, uh, the rider amount, the state, uh, the ABA in that state that uh, where it is and it's I'm not going to go through and read this so thanks so you're going to get bored to tears and I'll get bored to tears too but a few of them Barbera let's let's look at uh, Amador County in 2017 harvest and Barbera Amador County brought in 1,579 I believe this is in tons I don't know doesn't say no it can't be tons average price yeah it is tons oh this is average price okay that's that's why I was confused okay this is the average price per ton uh, not the amount of tons average price per ton so uh, interesting thing here how, how it's jumped around the uh, Amador County 2017 Barbera is running $1,579 a ton. Uh, most expensive for Barbera out of California. Columbia Valley Barbera 2017, $1,583. That's in Washington State, $1,583 a ton. Cabernet Franc. This Alexander Valley 2017, $3,500 a ton. Now, we've talked before how grapes are sold by the ton. And so this, this gives you an idea. Mendocino, uh, here we go. Um, uh, Sagna Valley, $800 a ton for Cabernet Franc. Uh, the difference is, is just amazing. Amador Valley Cabernet Sauvignon, $3,750 a ton. Central Coast, $2,292. Contra Costa County, I live in Contra Costa County. Uh, it's an AVA now, yay. $1,350 a ton. Howell Mountain, now this is where it really starts you know, boggling the mind. Howell Mountain Cabernet, $7,500 a ton. And 2017 cab. Mount Beater, $9,500 a ton. Cabernet Sauvignon. Same with North Coast. North Coast, $9,500. But you get into um, Napa Valley, it drops down to $5,700 a ton. So the Mount Beater and North Coast are just unbelievable prices on a ton of cab. Uh, the uh, one that really blows everybody away is the Spring Mountain District and also the Stags Leap District. Cabernet Sauvignon per ton was going for $10,000 in 2017. $10,000 a ton. It, it, it just boggles the mind. And you go down, you buy yourself a Spring Mountain or a, a, a Stag Leap AVA wine, you're paying $120, $130 a bottle, which this is one of the $10,000 a ton. Oh, my gosh. Oregon, 
$2,200 for the Applegate Valley. Walla Walla, $1,680. Worston Cabernet Sauvignon, most expensive that you're going to find there, is the Red Mountain, $3,148. Chardonnay. Chardonnay tends to be a little bit cheaper all the way around. You're looking at Chardonnay, the most expensive Chardonnay is 3500 at Las Canaras. You also can go to Lodi and get Cabernet, or I'm sorry, Chardonnay for $400 a time. $400, not $400 a time. Um, Willamette Valley, $1,764 a time. Pennsylvania, $2,000 a ton coming out of there. That's just it's amazing. Malbec, California Malbec. Uh, Knights Valley, $3,850 a ton. Uh, most expensive Malbec that was available in 2017. Cheapest, you're looking at $650 out of Madeira County. Merlot. Merlot starts getting expensive. Napa Valley Merlot, $5,000 a ton. Uh, I believe that. No, that isn't. Yachtville, which is right there in Napa, $8,000 a ton for Merlot in 2017 prices. These aren't, most of these aren't released yet, too. You have to realize that. These are all still in barrels. Uh, they're still being processed and stuff. Petite Syrah. And, again, Petit Saran and Syrah are actually, actually two different grapes. So, so the Petit Syrah, Clear Lake, $4,480 a ton, whereas you can go to Lodi and get it for $961 a ton. Yakima Valley, $1,600. Pinot Gris, that tends to be a little bit cheaper, but it's still expensive. $2,500 coming out of Oregon. Uh, most expensive. The uh, Pinot Noir, that starts jumping up in price again, but still not as bad as the Cab. The most expensive you find on the Pinot Noir is the Sonoma Coast, $4,604 for a ton of Pinot Noir grapes. Oregon, which is good Pinot Noir country, most expensive there is $3,089. And or no, it isn't. That Ribbon Ridge is the most expensive, 3694 Washington drops down quite a bit less, uh, $1,600, uh, $1,500 areas. Riesling, out of uh, California, Contra Costa County, 1100 a ton. Yakima, only 650 a ton. Uh, the... Uh, most expensive, Pennsylvania, an unspecified area, but $2,100 a ton. Pennsylvania Riesling is, is more expensive than any of the others. I thought that was an interesting thing there. Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon Blanc isn't cheap. There's, you're still looking at prices over 1000 a ton for almost all the Sauvignon Blancs. Most expensive coming out of Santa Maria Valley, 2200 um, everything else is a thousand or more, so it's uh, pretty consistent. Syrah, Moon Mountain District in California, five thousand dollars a ton for Syrah. 
Sonoma Mountain, 4,500 a ton for straw. But you go to Clarksville or Clarksburg, and it's $800 a ton. Uh, amazing, amazing difference. Tempranillo, all those are around well, $1,080 on up to $2,200, depending where you are and where you go. But they're all between $1,100 and $2,200 for all of the Tempranillo. Guarnier, that gets expensive, too. I mean, it's just another thing. $804 a ton at the Clarksburg location, but then it goes up Dry Creek to $2,600 a ton. Zinfandel, and they've got it listed for Columbia Valley in Washington, $1,500. Columbia Gorge in Oregon, $1,800. And then the most expensive you're going to find is three, or I'm sorry, $4,200 in St. Helena, which again, Napa Valley area. So some prices there for, for tons of grapes. This is just all 2017 harvest. But it's just amazing how much. But I, I'm still still shocked about the Merlot at $8,000 a ton in Yonkville and the Cabernet Sauvignon coming out of those two districts at $10,000 a ton on average. Well, even you know North Coast, 9500 and Mount Vigner, 9500 This is, you know, it's just it's outrageous prices. So... You know, if you get one of these properties, and remember I have told you earlier, I've told you at other times that a acre of grapes usually comes in at about five ton. So if you have an acre of grapes and a stag's leap, acre of grapes of the Cabernet Sauvignon in the stag's leap district of California, and you're selling that, you're getting $50,000 per acre for your grapes. I can pretty much guarantee you it didn't cost you $50,000 per acre to raise those. But uh, that's uh, this, this is amazing. i got some more stuff to talk to you about in a little bit here about that, though. But I do want to bring up something about red wine and health. This is something we have kicked around so many times. We have talked about this on different shows, different reports, different things, all sorts of stuff coming out, all sorts of things happening. Latest from BBC News, British Broadcasting. Red wine has previously been linked to a range of supposed health benefits. Now a new study suggests it contains chemicals that can help in the fight against tooth decay and gum disease. They found that uh, the compounds, the polyphenols, help fend off harmful bacteria in the mouth, which is the harmful bacteria in the mouth that gives bad breath. So, you know, yay, you know, have your kill off the, the bacteria. But they're saying this does not give you a green light to drink more red wine. Drink moderately and the don't overhype it. One thing they said, though, is that red wine helps lower diabetes risk. Now, I was ex- excited about that. I am diabetic. The experts uh, 
the sand that the that they did control groups and while when it came to beer drinking men have one to six beers a week lowered their risk of diabetes by 21 percent and as compared to men who drank less than one beer a week which had no impact on it the uh, four drinks the four wine standard five ounce pour of wine a week four of them will lower your diabetes risk by 22 percent in men and no, I'm 27 percent in men and 32 percent in women. So it uh, for a diabetic or pre-diabetic, it is good for you. But again, don't overdo it because the effects on the liver and different things could outweigh the benefits of not being diabetic. Although being a diabetic does have effects on the liver and heart and all that other stuff. So I basically see a win-win in this situation myself, but uh, I don't know what the doctors will say. Previous studies showed that uh, health benefits of the polyphenols are linked to them being antioxidants that protect the body from harmful free radicals. Good bacteria, basically. You're working with a good bacteria in the gut and all that. Uh, scientists looked into whether wine polyphenols might also be good for oral health, and they found that it supplements the red wine extract supplements on bacteria that stick to the teeth and gums and cause dental plaque, and cavities and gum disease are fought because of the two polyphenols in red wine and in the grape seed. They also found that extracts also reduce the bacteria's ability to stick to the cells. So that was one of the reasons there. Um, combined with this big, long scientific word, they believe it can be an oral probiotic and strengthen the good bacteria. So uh, there you go. It's... Uh, where do you find red wine is rich in polyphenols, but they're also found in a range of other drinks and food. Coffee, green tea, black tea, cider, orange juice, and lemon juice. And blueberries, raspberries, kiwi, black grapes, cherries, and beans. And it doesn't say what type or anything, just beans. Moderation is always the key. Keep it down again, men and women. Four drinks a week is enough to give you the health benefits to help tooth decay and bad breath. So, yay. I mean, really, yay. Uh, good stuff. Uh, okay, let me get on this. Moving on. I mentioned about the battle that British Columbia and Canada was having with Alberta, their eastern neighbor. The battle resulted in a feud against shipping wine from B.C. into Alberta. The purpose, the reason of that is that Alberta, which is an oil-rich 
province wanted to run a pipeline through BC to the water, to the Atlantic, so that they can load ships with the oil. BC said, no, we don't want a pipeline running through our province because what if there's a spill or what if there's a crack in it or, you know, there's all their, their reasons, classic reasons for not running a pipeline. Alberta says, that's the only way we can get it to the water. We are landlocked. There is no place for us to run a pipeline to the water, so we have to do this. BC, BC says, I don't care. We're not going to do it. So, Alberta says, we're not going to buy any more of your wine. We're going to put heavy tariffs, and we're going to put stuff, and we're going to stop buying a lot of your, a lot of your stuff. We're just going to put an end to it. And so BC says, you can't do that. And Alberta says, yes, we can. And so they all started to yell at each other and cause all sorts of problems. Well, the pipeline is still being stalled. It's going through all sorts of government BS. And it just, it's, they're protesting that they don't want to put it through. The government's getting into it. They're looking at causing tariffs against BC, all that. Look it up. It's it's pretty involved. I mean, it's a pretty involved story there uh, about what's going on and what they want to do and how they want to do it and all that. But BC winery owners popped the cork and said, yay, because Alberta's premier suspended the ban on the wine. Uh, the BC Premier John Horgan announced his government would turn the courts on the question of whether BC could put a temporary ban on increased butamen exports from Alberta. And that resulted in Alberta's wine boycott. But it's off now. Alberta calls off the, the wine boycott. BC said it's relieved that the ban has been released and still shocked it happened in the first place. They remain concerned that any provincial government believes it has the constitutional authority to impose trade bans on Canadian products based on the place of origin within Canada, which I thought was weird too. It's like, you know, Utah saying we're not going to ship in anything anymore because we're. We're mad at Colorado or something like that. And, you know, I mean, you know, don't run your truck through here or something. But they said that it is uh, stop the pass forward is moving forward on the issue. Uh, the is the BC is attempting to block the Kinder Morgans, and that's the company that's putting in the pipeline. Um, Trans Mountain Pipeline Expansion. Excuse me. It is a 7.4 billion Canadian billion dollar project. And so it's it's big. Native Canadians, the uh, Canadian Indians, are protesting it big time because it's going through some of the burial areas or right next to the burial areas, but it's still being protested. But 
the wine is no longer a part of the equation. They, uh, they uh, said um, a lot of the wineries say it didn't have an effect. They didn't fill a drop in sale, but the wine did have its effect. Psychologically, that's for sure, because you're worried because it's outside your control and there's nothing you can do about it, said Don Triggs of uh, Colmina Family Estate Winery. He said he is thrilled that it has been settled, and he said that it is uh, a good thing that they came to the conclusion that it wasn't worth it. So, the story that broke a month ago, a month and a half ago, is now settled and over, and more issue. And... How to spot fake wine? Let me. Where is that? Uh, top stories. Top stories of the week. Here we go. Uh, how to spot fake wine? And if you're buying wine that's over over fifty dollars a bottle, there's a possibility you can have a fake wine. It's it's becoming rampant out there. I hate to say it's becoming a lot more rampant than what we care to imagine. And so this Maureen Downey, uh, who uh, has a business called Chai or Chai C H A on Consulting, works for uh, works with law enforcement to discover fake wines, and she does seminars teaching people how to spot fake wines. And so these are just a few points. I won't go into all the details, but a few points. Number one, buy from a trustworthy source. If you're purchasing wine, um, don't buy it from an unlicensed broker uh, or to the mail if you're buying high-end. Get it from a trusted broker or from a wine shop or someplace you have dealt with before and do that. If the deal seems too good to be true, then it probably is, as is the old adage for everything. Check the label paper. Uh, certain coating agents used to brighten the wine's paper label like silicone appear luminous under UV light. Although these chemicals weren't utilized until the 1950s. So if you're buying a bottle that's dated before the 50s and it shows blue, it's not a true 1950s bottle. Um, look, look at the quality of the printing. Printing techniques have been a good de- a giveaway for a fake wine. Lots of wine labels were made with plate press. And you can tell the plate press under magnification very easy. It, it has an outline. Uh, counterfeiters often use inkjet printers. And so, therefore, you can look at the pixelation and the colored spots and stuff like that. So, if you're buying wine that's expensive, take a magnifying glass with you. And evaluate the label aging. Older wines, you're going to start getting the label to be aged. Paper oxidized at a a steady rate. It won't oxidize in one corner and not another. 
So if they're selling you fake wines, they might try to do something, but they won't be able to do the whole label properly and they'll oxidize a part of it. So look for it. Uh, the you know the stains also a lot of the staining comes when the label is still flat. Uh, cylinder surface stains totally different, so look for that also. And confirm your staining and branding of the cork. That's going to make a big difference too. If you look at uh, it is, like, for example, uh, uh, Downey says you got a case of 61 Lafitte that was made by Rudy Kearney Ewan who is the great uh, wine counterfeiter. So when you look at it really closely, you can clearly tell what he did is he took the four in 1964 and scraped the cork to make it look like a 1961. So there's little things like that. So look at that also. Sediment. If sediment is present but doesn't move, it may be the result of frosters heating and baking it on on to emulate the material's accumulation over time. So watch that. Cinnamon should be present in older wines. Bottle lacking any solid matter should raise an alarm. Older wines have been properly stored on their side for decades to show a visual correspondence. If sediment is present but doesn't move, it may be the result of fraudsters heating and baking it to emulate the materials accumulation over time. So, there, if you're buying some expensive wine, a few things to keep in mind. Uh, I hate to spend $150, $200 for wine and find out that it's fake. Uh, if you're spending that much money on wine, you really should have the knowledge to know what you're doing. Okay, let's uh, set. I was going to revisit pricing, and I will do that right now. Let's see if I can find where that was. What's here? Precision, pricing. There we go. Okay. Another thing I'm pricing here, wine pricing. You can sign up for the grapeconnect.com. G-R-A-P-E-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. Grapeconnect.com. Yeah, I'll send you an email. Interesting. Just interesting stuff. Not that you'll ever use any of it. But it's just interesting stuff. Uh, Rido. Cabernet Franc, California, 2014. It was uh, going for as high as $33, or as high as $45 a gallon, and as low as or as low as $8 a gallon. Cabernet Franc, California, 2015, as high as $45, as low as $12. 2016. High of forty three oh five and a low of eighteen dollars and fourteen cents. Twenty seventeen Cabernet Franc, California. 
high of $30.73 and a low of $21.73. Company Frank's coming into its home. Oregon, their price is pretty steady. 2015 for Cabernet Franc, $10 low, 25 high. 2016, low of 10, high of 18. Washington, also uh, varied a lot, although in 2016, they got a high of 21.39, which you know jumped up there quite a bit. Cabernet Sauvignon, this is interesting. This is price per gallon. Cabernet Sauvignon, California, 2014, $43.37 was the high. $12 a gallon was the low. Uh, you multiply that out, gallons per ton, and, and it's uh, not nearly the price that I was quoting you. 2015, they had a high that jumped up to 74.04, and the low was 15.06. 2016, prices continued to rise. The low, though, was still right around $9, with the high around 87 or 81.72. And then 2017, 63.10, the low of 13.21. This is Cabernet Sauvignon. Um, Washington State, pretty steady in the low 20s and upper teens uh, continuously there. Chardonnay in California starts jumping up $30 a high in 15 and uh, 16, again, $30 high in 17, high $19.50. So you can look at the years on this and see what it's going for and start seeing the difference in it. Melbeck, pretty consistent in the upper teens to low 20s uh, through 14 and 15 and 16. Uh, the same 17, Melbeck jumped up 27.50 a gallon. The Merlot, this was interesting too. Merlot a high in fourteen was forty dollars, the high in fifteen was twenty-five, and the high in sixteen was twenty-two, as is in seventeen. Uh, that might be an effect from the drought. Who knows? I don't know, it doesn't say here. And uh, Petit Verdot, which surprisingly is expensive, we've been getting prices in 2015 of $64, in 2016, $70, in 2018, high up to $60. And most all the other ones we're looking at, Pinot Gris, Petit Syrah, uh, Pinot Noir, Riesling, all of them are pretty low, surprisingly low. Riesling is what's really cheap per gallon, which surprised me here more than anything. Um, Oregon reasoning, uh, in 2016, the high was only $16. And Washington reasonings are going for less than $10, nothing over 10 The highest here is $8.12. Uh, it's just uh, reasonings 
doesn't seem to be a great for Oregon. Sangiovese, uh, everything under $20. A couple of them jumped up, but everything under $20. Uh, Sangiovese and Worston jump up a little bit higher, but still low. Sauvignon Blancs, all 25 and less, uh, and even down to $8.63 in 2017 in Washington. So uh, just uh, an interesting chart here, interesting chart to see how these things are going per gallon, which you don't see a a big difference overall, but you really don't ever see a reflection in the bottling uh, and the cost of the bottle. It's just, it's always been pretty consistent in the price of the bottle. If they go up 50 cents on the wine, I guarantee you they're not going to come down. It's, it's what the price is going to stay even though the prices drop. So, um, that's, you know, something you're going to have to, uh, we're just going to have to say, okay, if it goes up too high, then we'll just go buy it. This is something I found interesting here. Uh, this is, it shows that wine grapes breathe. They actually breathe. Uh, University of Adelaide has discovered that they breathe and that a shortage of oxygen into the grapes can lead to cells death. Now, it, it, the impact on the grape and the wine quality and the flavor and vine management and all that is just new. It, it, global warming and our climate change is going to make a difference and all that. Uh, there were hints that oxygen was involved previously, but now they actually know. They've taken some readings of the oxygen in the grape and found that at the top of a grape where the stem is, there's little small holes. And these little holes actually let oxygen into the grape. And the lack of oxygen will cause the grape cells to die which essentially is suffocating the berry. It's an increased death cells will suffocate the berry. They did a little small probe, a microscopic probe, that reads uh, the oxygen level. It's um, micro X-ray computed tomography, or CT, to show the air canals and how they're connected and how they work. Uh, Syrahs as a smaller area of these oxygen pores on the berry stem, which accounts for its higher sensitivity to temperatures and stuff. It, it's an ongoing thing. Recently discovered, I mean, this is, this is dated the first of, uh, let's see, about a month ago now. Yeah, back in March. I recently discovered and recently reported. They're not sure how it affects taste, if it does at all, not sure how it's going to affect harvest, if it does at all, not sure how it's going to affect anything, if it does at all. But they've always been wondering if a grape actually does breathe. Well, this study and this research is showing that they do, and they do have oxygen. 
uh, and it will cause the cells to die. So something interesting there uh, to think about. Then I've got one more thing here, and let me find that quickly. And this, and I'm going to end on this happy note here. This says that wine is the key to a long life. We knew that. We knew that. That's nothing new. The 15-year study finds that a daily drink can increase longevity. Plus, they found that wine can improve heart health and diabetics and may prevent tooth decay. And we just talked about the tooth decay. Um, wine linked to healthier arteries and type 2 diabetics. Again, being a diabetic, I was excited about this study. Uh, the drinking of wine, and it says either red or white. It's not saying one particular red or wine. Drinking of wine actually did a noticeable reduction in plaque volume in the arteries, which resulted in better blood flow and better overall health. And this also helped people with strokes and um, cardiovascular disease and stuff. The red wine could open up the veins and arteries to better flow and all that. So, and then we just talked about being good for your teeth. It has a little bit more here about it being good for your teeth. So, uh, uh, there's still more trials going on. Colgate Cabernet is not on the market real soon, so you have to wait for something like that. And that's it for this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't vision the uh, the dentist, uh, you know, saying, uh, are you, if you need to, drink some wine and uh, you know, take care of it that way, uh, instead of this other stuff that pharmaceutical companies want us to push on you, but uh, or. Okay. Yeah, crest or whatever, <laughs> whatever the Colgate yeah. crest, whatever they are. Yeah, they they don't want to hear that. Um, man, I was just I was just looking at the, um, you know, when you were talking about the uh, grapes and and the pricing and everything. So you have one gallon, that that'll make what roughly four or five bottles, maybe five five and a half there something bottles for a gallon. Two point three five gallons in a case. Okay. Okay. So two point three. Five gallons in a case. So at two point three five gallons in a case, uh, that's twelve bottles. So <clears throat> half of that, one point uh, one point one five gallons, gives you six bottles. So about five bottles. You know, yeah. you're right. About five. Wow. Huh. Okay. Um, very. So very good. So yeah. when you're paying, to... when you're paying sixty dollars or uh, thirty dollars for for a gallon. Mm-hmm. That's about seventy, sixty-five dollars a case, is what your cost is going to be on some of those wines. Mm-hmm. That, you know, that's just you know your basic cost. So that's why I say yeah, growers. Yeah. You know, growers are, are needed. That gallon. Yeah. That that gallon though, that's just the the juice. That's not processed or anything. You still have to go through. And yes. 
you have to go through the whole process. That's just, you know, hey, we did this, you know, from the vine or whatever. I, uh, I guess they, they do for processing it on that end, but you still have to make the wine out of it. It's not like it's ready to go. That's right. You still have to finish uh, it up. You can, you can get you can get a, a, a barrels. You can get bulk. Uh, yeah. It is process. It's rough process. Uh, mm-hmm. And you've got to balance out your you know, sulfites in it, you got to balance out, you know, all the other stuff to be sure that it's, it's, yeah. you know, the shelf life, uh, <laughs> winery that I used to deal with out in California to get the little bit of wines that I needed for, for balance. Uh, I was out visiting them uh, a few years ago and the guy said, come here, let me show you something. And he took me out and they, it was, it was a semi trailer. It was open though. It wasn't completely sealed. And they had this box in the back. And inside this box was this bladder. It looked like a a waterbed bladder. But it was the size of a semi-trailer. All right. It was stretched 50 feet. And it was Mm -hmm. wide. And it was about four or four and a half feet tall. And they were filling it up with Riesling wine. Wow. And I said, where's this going? They said, we're shipping it to Germany. Oh, wow. And I said, Germany? And they go, yeah, we ship. And this is just one company. We sh- they said, they, we ship about, on average, 10 to 20 of these a month to Germany. Ooh. They get them and they finish them off and they put them in bottles and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if they use them for blending. I don't know. But... Mm-hmm. That's just one company going out of California. That now this is this is a lot of wine to begin with. I have no idea how many gallons was in that. I, I no idea at all. But it was enormous, and they put it on ships and they ship it over there. I mean, they literally ship it over there. I don't know mm. if they go through the Panama Canal or if they sell across the uh, Pacific or what. But it. They ship a lot of stuff, and that's just one that I know of going to Germany. Mm-hmm. So, I, I'm you know to go back to your your question there, they're finished, but they're not bottle ready. Right. Okay. So, you know, that's probably the best way to do it. Stuff like that is, you know, it's all over the place though. They're they're shipping wines everywhere. Like I say, California. We've talked to people all around the country, and just about everybody <laughs> talks about getting some wine from California. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Major deal there. Yeah. Um, well, we, let's see, what is it, 802? Uh, we can, we'll close the show for this evening, and uh, we will be back on Thursday, the 19th of April. That's uh, seven days at 7 p.m. Eastern time right here on Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> and, uh, thank you for uh, tuning in, as always, and uh, for your continued support. If you have any questions or if you're in the wine industry and you'd like to be a guest on the program, please uh, be sure to email uh, Ron directly. It's all about wine101 at gmail.com. You can email them say, hey, I have a winery. I do grapes. I do, you know, whatever, you, your vineyards, uh, whatever. Um, and uh, or you have a product, uh, you know, related to uh, to wine in some way, and I uh, would like to talk to you about it. So, uh, get, you know, give them an email, or you have a question, or whatever, and uh, or you want something discussed on a future show, let us know. 
at the email address, and I'd love to take care of that. So uh, let us know. Thanks again, and have a great week, and enjoy um, the rest of the day for uh, grilled cheese and, you know, whatever. (laughs) Grilled cheese day. (laughs) Have yourself a good week. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. Yep, we'll see you. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine on Blog Talk Radio with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on this show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.